G'day and welcome back to Occupied. Today I'm happy to bring you a little bit of a different episode. I want to start exploring some of the reasons why people do things, examining occupations themselves, uh, and do a bit of, uh, I guess, investigation uh, into the things that we do and why we do them. Uh, And I thought, what better way than to bring on one of the most creative uh, video makers that I know and have followed for many years, the lovely Miss Moo Smith, to have a chat with me about creativity, the benefits of it, um, how to be creative in this sort of modern society with all of our online social medias, etc., and where we feel that the most benefit to someone's mental and physical health might be for engaging in some of these creative occupations. So please sit back, relax, enjoy the lovely dulcet tones of Moo Smith. G'day, my name's Brock Cook and welcome to Occupied. In this podcast, we're aiming to put the occupation in occupational therapy. We explore the people, topics, theories, and underpinnings that make this profession so incredible. If you're new here, you can find all of our previous episodes and resources at OccupiedPodcast.com. But for now, let's roll the episode. Can you give us a bit of an intro into who Moo Smith is? That's a very good question. Who is she? (laughs) Um, Well, yeah, I'm Moo Smith. I I grew up in a very interesting kind of background with a lot of mental health, I guess, uh, interfering with my life, Um, which is why when you said this, I'm like, of course, like 100%. Like that's everything that I love and I'm like striving towards is like creativity and mental health. Mm. Like as you probably heard, like in my YouTube from like day one, I've always been saying like, just create, just do this, just do this. And a lot of the time, like it was without me, like specifically saying like for your mental health, it was kind of for that way. Cause people get very down on themselves and they're very judgmental and things like that. Um, so I guess I started this YouTube channel to try and help share people to not get too overwhelmed with buying gear and do like the more therapeutic side of things of actually just creating and working on a craft and working on something that it can give you a positive outcome like working on something can help I don't really know how to like put it it feels weird because obviously I'm talking to a professional but like in my mind it was like (laughs) (laughs) in my mind I'm like I feel like it's more important to have those small stepping goals um than to let exterior things influence you and obviously now I've kind of gone away from the whole tutorial side of things but the great thing about the internet is those videos are always there for people that need them Mm. um and obviously now I'm talking a lot with like music and everything like that um which was it was always the biggest part of my life music has always been bigger than photography like I always learn instruments and everything and I think (laughs) You can kind of tell how much trauma I've probably been through by looking at the amount of creative outlets that I actually have. <laughs> I think it's kind of expand funny. Expand into yeah. So did so, so with your YouTube or not necessarily with the YouTube with just life in general. So you obviously yeah. when I first came across your YouTube channel, it was it was predominantly for the photography stuff because that's what I was investigating cameras and that sort of stuff at the time. This was what two couple of years ago. Um, yeah, I think I started in 2019. Yeah, which I think I probably would have found you. Well, I got into photography like pretty much as the lockdown kicked off, so it would have been around yeah. then. Yeah. Um, 
and then obviously you you're making these videos and the videos that you're making are like they're not just like sitting in front of an iPhone talking head type videos <laughs> like they're quite cinematic and you've got b-roll and you've got the music and you've got all these different things and and wicked sort of transitions and cuts and all that sort of stuff so was what was the first I guess creative passion that you can it might not even be either of those two but what was your first creative uh expression that you can remember getting into um like from a really young age yeah is that what yeah, you like mean? ever yeah well, like my, I think my oldest memory that I have for something that I was very passionate about, this isn't necessarily me creating, but I fell in love with Avril Lavigne's Skater Boy. Like when that song okay. was on the radio, yep. my five-year-old little bum was always bopping in the passenger seat. <laughs> um, and that's, that's when my mom like purchased me like a CD player and I got her a CD. And from there, I pretty much got put into dance and music lessons. So that's really my oldest memory. Like I was obsessed. I thought she was the coolest person when like she had her guitar and she's like playing in the street. Like I was like, I want to be that. Like that just looks like everything. Um, was it the look of the music? I think it was like the music. Yeah. Because like before then, you know, like you're listening to like High Five and everything. Yeah. Um, what you and I, f- <laughs> I, was, I was probably about 16 by then. So I probably hopefully wasn't listening to High Five. But yeah. Um, yeah, so I think the first time I saw that, like, it, it kind of, like, made me feel something inside of me. And literally from that day, like, at five years old, I'm like, Mom, like, I need to play the guitar. Like, it's what I need to learn how to do. Yep. I got a guitar at 16. Um, <laughs> but I learned piano from a very, very young age. And okay. obviously I did dance. So those are two things that I've done for, like, 14 years, I think is how long, like, the lessons pretty much were up yep. until the end of school. Was, so was I, dance something that you were wanted to do? Or was it was it one of those things where your parents just went, "Oh, you're doing this"? It's a funny story. So I wanted to do ballet. Yep. Um, I thought it was like quite a pretty expression. I feel like most little girls want to do ballet. Yep. Um, but my mom actually ended up putting me in Irish and Highland dancing. Okay. I don't know how that happened, but she like didn't want me to. I guess maybe she didn't like the idea of the toxic nature behind ballet. I'm not too sure, but that's for some reason that's the dance category she put me in. Presuming um, you have no Irish. Heritage. No, no, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's very interesting. And by the time I was about 15 or 16, I become a soloist in my dance school. Okay. So pretty much I created all my own solos and everything. And it was very ballet esque. That's all I can say. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I guess, yeah, it's interesting. Um, it's not <laughs> something I overly share because, like, no one wants to be like, yeah, I was an Irish dancer. I think it's quite a random little thing. I'm expecting some um, of this to come into, like, some of your future videos now. Just a little it's not, quick never, little tap. Absolutely not. Getting in there. <laughs> no, that's wicked. That's a skill absolutely that not. not many people would have. Yeah, I think it's very strange. But, like, for me, it, I think it helped me a lot. I always had dance. I was always consistent in it. And when my anxiety got really, really bad, I could still go out on stage and dance pretty much up until the very last year. Um, I could still go out on stage and dance, which for me was like something that was very good to hold on to because everything else in my life had like so much anxiety wrapped around in it. Yeah. Um, so I guess for me, like it was something that I very treasured that I had it from a young age and there was a certain routine put in place. So it really helped with that side of my mental illness because 
like it was just it was like breathing almost yeah um even though breathing is actually quite hard when you have anxiety um (laughs) (laughs) um, it was like not breathing maybe um yeah so I guess it was as much as I'm kind of like oh it's kind of a strange thing and I don't do it anymore I do have a lot of respect and thankfulness towards the fact that I had it so just thinking back at if you can remember um I'm curious as to whether so you you had anxiety but obviously the dance was something that you you still were passionate to do. I'm wondering whether you can remember if like you still had the anxiety when you were going to dance, but just the passion for it was greater than the anxiety or if the dance, like while you were dancing, it kind of stopped the anxiety, if you know what I mean. Yeah. I don't know if it stopped the anxiety. I definitely had a couple of times when I came off stage and like just collapsed to the floor and just (laughs) freak out of it. Um, I think it's more like when you go on stage, you kind of black out a bit. Yep. Um, and Get into flow state. Yeah. And I mean, it probably helped that towards, because my anxiety progressively got worse. It probably started about the age of seven. I didn't start recovering until I was 19. Um, so it progressively got worse and worse and worse. And thankfully, the further I went on and danced, the less people that were on stage with me as well. Yeah. So, and when you're on stage by yourself, like the spotlights are usually on you, you can't really see anything. So I think it was more of those things where I just be like, you can do it. It's just, it's just two minutes, go out there, you know, everything, your legs will just do it and then run off stage. Um, I don't know if that really helps the question, but I, no, I'm no, not no, too sure if the anxiety stops. I think it was more like a convincing myself that I can just do it and it's one of those things where it's like you just you just go to school you know it's not really an option when you're eight years old you know you just go to school even though I was older at this point like dance school had been in my life just as long as school school had yeah so they kind of would it was just something you did it was just like a compulsory thing you did yeah yeah no I'm just curious because uh, that was the one thing and I think this is I mean, a slightly different topic, with but looking at things like motivation, which is something that I don't think many people actually understand how it works. Mm-hmm. Um, I've taught a lot of students and, and and spoken to a lot of clinicians, especially early early clinicians, who kind of have it in their head like, oh, this person's got anxiety, so it's going to stop them doing everything. And I'm like, well, it'll start. It's going to affect everything, but it's not necessarily going to stop everything. Like there are things mm-hmm. that people have in their life that you know they might want to do or are passionate about that are sort of that outweighs the pull that the anxiety has like you're you're dancing like you're still gonna go out and do it even though you're you know 10 minutes beforehand you may have been curled up in a corner um yeah and I think that's important for clinicians anyway, or important for everyone really, but important for clinicians to to realize that if you can find that thing, whatever it is, uh, and I'm going to almost put money on it, that it's going to be something creative, which kind of ties back into what we're talking about today, um, mm-hmm. that, that you can build on that if you're trying to help someone who, who's struggling with anxiety. Yeah. I know. I, I know. With my own depression, when back in the day, like there was one thing, and that was powerlifting training. Like I could go to that, and it was almost like that was the one place where I felt, well, I felt anything really. Mm-hmm. Um, but I could go to that. I could be like in a black hole for the like for the whole day, and then get up in the afternoon and go to training. Yeah, oh, that's good. Um, yeah, I mean. 
anxiety is obviously what was my huge issue and like other things came along with it like I probably had PTSD I also um you know I got a bit of a depression from it I had an eating disorder but it all kind of linked back to Mm. um the anxiety itself and I think the creative thing is a a good point my last year of school I didn't actually end up finishing it Mm -hmm. but I think four out of my five subjects they were all creative subjects and though I could only really attend school one or two days a week um due to anxiety um and I like didn't have people I didn't have a support system like some of my sc- uh, friends at school had either dropped out or they had moved on into like different friend groups so it was like a really weird isolating time but I would always like the days where I would come in would be the days where like I didn't have English class which was like my one non-creative yeah. subject um and I always at home I was always working and I was always doing my school assignments because it was all like creative stuff and like I was always handing my assignments in on time and things like that. Yep. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I feel like you've got a huge point with the creative stuff. Like, it definitely does help. And unfortunately, the school didn't see me during my assignments. They didn't care that I was, like, passing things. They yeah. eventually kicked me out because <laughs> because of my attendance yep. um, and because counsellors wouldn't take me on. Um, but, yeah, like, it... It definitely helped. I think at that point, I wasn't really doing music lessons or dance lessons in the final year of school, I don't think. We have an extra year than you guys. We have 13 years. Oh, really? In New Zealand. Yeah. Do you have, it's a bit of scam. Do eh? you have <laughs> prep on top of that? Prep? Like before? Like before year zero? One? Yeah. Yeah. We have year zero. So it's if you are born after yeah. March, I think it is, you do year zero. Okay, because we've got we've one. got compulsory prep now, so technically oh, okay. we've got thirteen years, but they don't start counting until okay. the second one. Ah, <laughs> oh, all right, that's interesting. But yeah, I don't know if that's similar or not. I don't know why so, like, they didn't just like change the numbers, but anyway, yeah. All right. Technically, I, I didn't go. I mean, I went to I, no, I didn't go to prep, but they changed that like after I'd finished school. That was only ten years ago or something that they changed that okay so fun all right that makes a little bit more sense <laughs> yeah but i think I, well it does because i think in those early years is i mean a lot of sort of kindergarten that sort of stuff 90 percent of what you do is play and create it's painting and building yeah. things with blocks and that's i mean that's kids that's kids main occupation that's what they do is is mm-hmm. create and and i feel like one of the big issues is with and this is generalizing i guess around the western world anyway is that the school system yes it's quite good at training people to you know know what the information is that they're trying to give you but on terms of fostering creativity and that sort of stuff it doesn't do a great job in a lot of instances and then mm-hmm. there's a lot of innovation and and that sort of stuff that happens around the world that requires that level of of creativity and and out of the box thinking it's not all about you know rote learning history dates and that sort of stuff so though those early school years be that pre like preschool or those sort of grade one two they do contain a lot of that creativity still and i think mm-hmm. i think kids are often still exploring uh the different types of creative in different ways that they can be creative at that stage um like you said you were eight which i don't know here would be grade three four four i think 
three, mm-hmm. something like that. Like that's still those early school years when you're when you're learning those sort of more creative things. Yeah. Um. Uh, I was going to say something. Oh, yeah. Oh. I think something that you might find maybe kind of interesting. I mm. don't know if it kind of ties in, but the whole place where I got all my confidence to talking to a camera and editing, a lot of that skill actually came from me recovering from anxiety. Okay. And this is going to sound really strange. I don't think I've ever told anyone <laughs> this, so you're getting you, a little bit of exclusive. don't know if you'll <laughs> surprise me, but I'm willing to try. I've heard a so lot obviously of I'd, <laughs> um obviously I'd filmed a couple like fun little like skits with my best friend as you do at like 2 a.m in the morning with your MacBook webcam um and we've like edited those together but when I was like probably like 16 or 17 yep. I started just oh my god I can't believe I'm admitting this to someone <laughs> so <laughs> um it's probably not that strange but I would used to just like set up my MacBook and I'd like practice talking to it so okay. I'd like to sit there and be like, hey, hello, how are you going? Do you know where the corn chips are? <laughs> so like just one-way conversations type thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Like I wouldn't answer my own questions, but like I, so my anxiety wasn't just social anxiety. It was really a lot about people knowing that I existed. So it was like if I was somewhere where someone could possibly see me or hear me breathe, like that's kind of like what the root of my anxiety kind of okay. encompassed around. So talking was really, really hard for me. And there were only a couple of people I could talk to. And every part of me just hated it and I wanted to get better. So obviously I would record myself and then I would like pop it into like an editing system and try and like cut it together because I spoke really brokenly. So I try to cut it together and then like try and practice to speak with myself to make my sentences flow together. This is sounding really strange. No, no. I actually, I I can... (laughs) kind of relate i'll tell you when you're finished <laughs> so um it's almost like because i always joke about how i've got the speaking age of like a five-year-old or a six-year-old because like i kind of just count my talking age from like when i was 19 though i'm nearly 25 so it's a bit older than that now um but i was kind of the first person that i was ever confident and best talking to was a camera so it's very it sounds very introverted which i don't think i'm the most introverted person in the world surprisingly um, but yeah, that's that's uh, kind of that's a fantastic way to do it. I think that's awesome. Yeah, that's like I, I think where I grew up, where I grew up, there was quite a lack of therapy and counselors. Yep. Um, and like my school had tried to force me into like multiple different counselors and therapists to try and not get me kicked out because like they were like, well, we need to see that there's like a potential progressive program in place and that you're not just going to get worse yeah which like it's probably not the best for someone's mental health but you know whatever keeps the school world happy um i went to an interview of one they're like you're the worst case i've seen in 10 years savage (laughs) i know (laughs) i'm like i don't like looking back now i'm like i don't think you should have told me that because that just made me feel like the biggest lost cause because they turned around and declined (laughs) my application wow brutal Yeah, so I guess I had to quite literally become creative as to my way of how I was going to help myself get better because I was quite literally just falling down a hill and I'm like, no one's going to help catch me. So I just have to try and catch myself. And yeah, that was that was my creative little speech therapy session that I had with myself. I think that's awesome. I think that's a fantastic idea. 
Um, <laughs> it made me. It did make me think. So when I was uh, so between primary school, like I went to primary school in my hometown, and then I went away for high school. And I remember leading up to that transition just before the end of primary school, so end of grade seven at the time. Um, like I was kind of scared. Like I was really comfortable with my friends that I had, but obviously when I'm going to this new school, I wasn't going to know anyone, and I was like super shy with people that I didn't know. Um, and I, I don't know why, but I, I remember making the conscious decision just to learn to talk to people that I didn't know. So I remember like one of the, the tactics that I did was if I was walking down the street, I would just start saying hello to people. And mm -hmm. it must have been so strange to to everyone who was walking <laughs> down the street in my hometown, just this little like, what would have been like 12 or 11-year-old kid just saying good day to everyone. Um, and then it was about trying to spark up conversations with, you know, just people like the person at the checkout at, at Woolies or something like that at the supermarket. Um, but I remember making this conscious decision and then gradually like building on it. Uh, and obviously, eventually, I, I got all right at talking to people. But now I do this where I talk to lots and lots of people. So, <laughs> uh, and obviously, went into a job where my whole job was talking to people. So, uh, that was yeah. it, obviously works. So, uh, it's yeah. finding that that thing but i think the video thing's fantastic i think that's awesome because there's obviously a whole heap of uh, side skills that you picked up from that with regards to editing and stuff which obviously yeah. you are still doing and uh yes. it kind of led you on to bigger and better things as well as helping uh your comf your your anxiety and your ability to speak with others yeah it's definitely an interesting thing i i don't know i i'm so thankful for absolutely everything that i've been through in my life like even though there was a lot of negative stuff there, mm. like where I am now and all the things that I get to do, like, I don't know, the stuff that I get to do on TikTok, which is like kind of fun and I get to relate to people. I, I haven't put as much mental health stuff on there because obviously it's such a touchy topic and mm. I want it to be, I want to show like the positive side, obviously being the niche with like the metal community, the new metal community, punk and rock and everything, which my TikTok is related to. A lot of the people there do struggle with any sort of mental health. That's kind of why a lot of us are led into that direction because um, a lot of the music kind of speaks to us on that level. Some of it doesn't, hmm. <laughs> but a lot of it does. And I feel like it's nice that I feel like people can almost see or tell with like the small little hints I put here and there. They're like, oh, like she's like me or like I went through that. But then they can relate to all these positive things and like laugh together with it. So like even the fact that I have that ability to film and edit in a way that can possibly even just make other people feel less lonely i don't know i'm i'm thankful for having that i think i think that's i don't know i wouldn't say it's a huge part of like um youtube and that sort of stuff but i think there is a big component of why certain people tend to follow certain creators is they feel something whether that's they feel empowered or they feel like you said less lonely or they they feel a connection of some sort um with the creator i think that's what makes uh, youtube in particular i'm not on tiktok i'm too old for that um, <laughs> but youtube in particular i feel like that's what makes it from just a, a video database into a place where people like yourself build communities because you you're actually 
I don't know if you feel this. I'll, I'll put this out there with regards to this podcast as the example. Like quite often it feels like you are just creating something and then just throwing it out into the ether <laughs> never to be seen again. And yeah, you get some stats and that sort of stuff, but they're just numbers on a page. And then every now and then like you'll get people that'll message in and, um, or email you, that sort of stuff. And that's really nice to actually connect with a human on the other end of this this episode or whatever it is um but for the most part it does sometimes feel like you just kind of you put in all that work and then you're just throwing it out there I don't know if you feel similar or if YouTube's a bit different but um I think sometimes it's for this anyway probably because it's not so much of a visual medium uh, it feels like you almost you have the the podcast component and then you build the community somewhere else Whereas I think because YouTube has like the comments and that sort of stuff, it might be a bit easier to sort of build the community on the same platform, if that makes sense. Yeah. um, You've definitely got a point. I definitely do do a bit of throwing. Um, I am quite a thrower when it comes to putting things on the internet. Thrower. Um, (laughs) I don't know. That's how you explained it. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. um, So a lot of the stuff is like I – need to keep busy and I need to keep creating things and a lot of the time I will sometimes have ideas that I don't necessarily like or I think it'll be an okay one and I'll film it and I'll make it and the editing process can be quite a drag so it's not what I thought it would be like um and then I kind of I put it onto the internet not ever really expecting anything mm-hmm. and like one of the videos that's my least favorite video that I ever put let's just talk about YouTube yep. that I put on YouTube it's my biggest video. So I did a review on the EOS RP um, yep. and obviously now it's camera got like 43,000. Yeah, a Canon yep. camera. Um, it's now got 43,000 views, which in my mind, like that is crazy. But I do hate that video. I filmed five videos in one day for this video. Like there was a series of five videos that kind of went together. Yeah. And oh, like I think I filmed the gimbal video on that day. I filmed the RP, I filmed a couple of lenses, like it was a lot all at once. So I, one, I don't think like my film quality was really up there because I used to just push myself so much, like yeah. just too much. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think it's funny how things like that people can really, really relate to um, with, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is quite a throw. And I think it's better to throw and not have any, any expectation. On my TikTok, there's things where I'm like, I look really weird that day. Or like I can tell that I wasn't feeling it, but I'm still just going to post it because it's the point. It's like part of me not having too much self-criticism. Like I'm sh- I'm scared that other people looking at me sometimes will think like, oh, she's full of herself. Or like she's in love with herself. Look, she's always posting photos of herself and videos of herself when it's quite literally quite the opposite. Yeah. So I obviously had quite bad confidence issues, but for me to be able to be like, I'm just creating something and I'm just going to put it out there. And just, I'm not going to critique it too much for myself. You know, next time I create something, I'll be like, hey, I'm going to try and improve this, but I'm not going to like talk down on whatever it is that I've already created. Yeah. That so makes sense. On <laughs> terms of you putting content out, was YouTube where it started or did you start on like something else, some other platform? I started on Instagram. Okay. Um. So I started with like proper, proper content. Yeah. It was definitely probably the food photography stuff that I took the most seriously. Okay. Um, 
I would say I, def- I had a child YouTube channel with my friends and I wish we could log into it. Oh my goodness, I wish we could. Oh, those videos are absolutely horrible. Like for anyone from New Zealand or like Tauranga, it's like this like Mangatapu shops. We used to like walk around there and like film and oh my goodness. Oh, that was so bad. I don't know how we did it, honestly. Like filming out in public, these like milk commercials and all sorts of things. Um, now I wish you could get so- it. That'd be funny. Yeah. That'd be great. Oh, I really wish. Um, so that, that was probably like the first kind of thing. But my solo endeavor where I'm like, I'm actually going to try and build something creatively, not necessarily make a bunch of money, but like if I can build a community and I can maybe build a business one day, I started with obviously my food photography and I got in touch with other brands. I only had, I think at peak was like 400 followers. Yeah. And I happened to get a protein brand, EHP Labs. Um, they. Oh, yeah. Um, have a subcategory called blessed, which is their vegan version. And they teamed up with me. Um, you're vegan. and I was, <laughs> yeah. Um, and they, I was like making recipes for them and making like recipe ebooks and creating content for like their page and things like that, which it's probably still on their page. Um, okay. but yeah, that's kind of where I started. And then after like trying a whole bunch of different stuff, cause my idea at the time was it was going to help feed with my PT so obviously I was going to do my PT work and hopefully have my clients follow the food side of things on social media to help them have easier access to nutritional information without having to pay for a nutritionist yeah because obviously I had a nutrition degree and everything as well but it's quite expensive to do one-on-one stuff yeah yeah but that all fell through and I just took a different direction in life (laughs) fair enough so when did you start so obviously that was mostly photography I'm assuming or were you doing video then as well no that was that was just photography um for film when i moved to australia i was like i'm gonna give youtube a crack you know um what what was it about or like what drove that decision like why youtube or what made you go you know what i'm gonna make videos (laughs) i I don't know i guess like we like we did you watch a lot of youtube like were you into yeah i I did itself that kind of thing I used to, for the longest time, I always just watched, this is really quite irrelevant to what I make, but I used to watch a lot of people either making covers of songs or like reacting to music videos. Yep. I was very much on the music side of TikTok um, or people like like guitar reviews and like things like that. Um, So they're all privated now and they might be actually off my channel because I had to delete them to get monetized. But I did start by doing music reactions in 2019 very very start of 2019 i was reacting like when my chem first re-announced that they're coming out i think i like reacted to stuff like that and all that sort of thing so i was doing like music video reactions and things i think a lot of people reacted to that either positively or negatively (laughs) (laughs) um and at that time, YouTube was really having, they hated the whole, co- that was when the whole copyright thing was going on. I don't know if you remember, there was like, Vaguely, YouTube yeah. had like a, I don't know, huge like debacle with like copyright and things. And a lot of the creators that I was watching, they were all just getting demonetized, like straight off the bat. Yeah. And I'm like, well, there's no way that YouTube is even going to try and help me grow in yeah, a niche yeah. like this. Because like the people that are out there that are already big and established aren't getting the help from YouTube. And they're also getting like kind of pushed down by YouTube. Yeah. So that's when I just stopped and I'm like, well, what else can I do? And I was like, well, I guess I have some cameras. (laughs) And then the whole camera thing started. 
Yeah. So was the purpose of it straight off the bat, was that to sort of turn it into a business? I get I, not really as much for YouTube. It, it was just I've been creating for so long. I hated food photography, like trying to learn food photography and post yeah. every single day for multiple years. Um, so for me to stop and not do anything, which yeah, I tried to yeah. do for a few months when I first moved here um, and naturally like when you move to different countries, a lot of stuff that you have to do. So sometimes you do just have to step back from your hobbies. Yeah, I just got really sad. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. So I just needed to just do something. I'm like, I don't care if I don't make money, like, but I, I wanted to do something. And I was very alone because I feel like I had this pretty poor reputation back home where people are like, oh, that's the girl that doesn't talk, you know? Okay. So there'd be a lot of, I feel like I couldn't really, I didn't really have friends or anyone around me. Yeah. So I was like, well, I want to be able to talk to people and whether either my friends can see me and be like, oh, like she's actually cool now. She talks <laughs> or yeah, I don't know. It's just keeping developing that skill. I also didn't want to lose my voice. I wanted to make sure that I was still talking and practicing talking. So I mean, living in an apartment by yourself yeah. um, can be isolating. It can be isolating. And I just wanted to make sure that I didn't fall out of practice with anything as well. And you knew one thing that worked and that was talking to the camera. <laughs> oh, look at that. <laughs> so with regards to, because I'm curious where, sorry, Here's where my thought pattern's going. So I I see, I've worked with a lot of people and I've experienced this myself where, you know, you might start doing something, whatever it is, because you, you love it. It's a passion. It's fun and that sort of stuff. And then the moment you try and take it to a different level, it changes the meaning of why you're doing it. So whether you're turning it into a business or whether you're trying to, you know, compete at a different level or whatever it is when you change that it changes the whole thing for you i'm wondering whether trying to turn uh i guess the content creation into more of a a business once you move to australia so the video side of it um made it less i don't know made you feel like it was less creative or there was more pressure to be creative, which obviously doesn't generally bode well with actually being <laughs> creative sometimes. Um, was there any um, sort of was. change with that? Yeah, I think we can quite visually see it on my YouTube channel. When I first started making videos about cameras, I'm like, this is really fun. So I was also learning like the super professional side of cameras at the same time. Like mm. obviously I had a lot of beginner and intermediate knowledge, but still on the other side of things was really fun. And I had a fair bit of gear on me, not huge amounts. I've never been a huge, huge gear person. So it's not what I believe in. But I had a fair bit on me and my re- reviews are always what did best. But over time I had a lot of people talking to me and be like, I need to upgrade my camera. I want to do this. I want to get your camera. I want to all this sort of stuff. And inside me, I'm like, probably I feel me. like, no 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 um like I yeah I felt like maybe it was giving across the wrong message you know that a lot of people though I was trying to say like hey like you can film this b-roll with this camera or this camera and I would do videos using like g7x point and shoot like something like the mark ii or something yeah um to try and like share that message but people still were like 
I guess because they watch other creators like Peter McKinnon and all the large creators, when they got suggested my video, they kind of took it in the same palm and it just kind of felt soul crushing to me where I was like, I just want to help encourage people to be happy and do things that make them happy, which is now why I'm doing a little bit more story creative side of things where I can quite literally put my voice to something and hopefully people can listen to it and just watch the cinematics and not think about what gear I was using yeah because though the gear stuff was a lot of fun it did turn into this business side of things and I felt like kind of almost like a responsibility even if it was one person that I was influencing or like five or ten or twenty or a hundred like I I wanted to make sure it was influencing people in the right way yeah and I think like for those who don't know like Peter McKinnon's quite possibly the biggest like photo video um, guy on YouTube. I think he's got like five and a half million followers, but he's like sponsored by Canon, gets all this gear for nothing. Um, Brands would send like every time they release a new camera, would send it to him so he could make a video, that kind of stuff. So in terms of gear, uh, any, you know, he's not shooting videos with his iPhone. He's, he's got all the kit. Um, He's made professional like car commercials and stuff in Canada, like he, he's a professional videographer. He's making a, a documentary for Angels and Airwaves, the band, um, stuff like that. So he's he's a professional videographer technically, I guess. So And he's very like excitable. So I feel like oh, obviously with every new piece again, no matter if it's low end or high end, he's always like, this is great. It has all these great things, which the positivity is good. But- Unless it's a GoPro. Unless it's a GoPro. But I feel like if you're someone that's striving to be Peter McKinnon and you hear him talking so positively about the scare and stuff, it kind of feels like, oh, well, I need to do what he's doing and use this stuff. It's, it's, I I think overall, but, and and it's not just him, obviously. There's, there's 8 million photo video, um, I don't even know what you call creators on on YouTube. And I I feel like they're, they're all striving to be him or something like him really um but it's trying to it's almost like try raising the perceived bar uh raising the point of entry for people to get into just creating things um and it's it's also and i can put you in this category because it's (laughs) almost uh when you it's natural human thing to compare yourself to others and when you're like you know what i'm gonna give video a try or something i'm gonna start trying to make some videos and you see a moose smith video and you're like i don't know how to do that i may as well not try which is hard and i'm not not blaming you for that that's it's it's a natural human thing and it's I, i don't think people realize how long it takes to get the skills to get to where you are people just see what you're doing right now and be like, well, I'm starting out and I want to do this kind of thing. Um, I feel like that short form content doesn't give people, I say short form, but pretty much anything on YouTube doesn't give people that super accurate representation of all of the years of work and, you know, struggle and learning new things and trying things and, succeeding and failing and all of that that goes into actually developing the skill set that you're currently at if that makes sense yeah see I go through the same thing and every now and then I have to stop and remind myself that like it does take time like I edited my first video for my friends over 10 years ago now Mm. like that's quite a long time 
my mom got me my first camera when I was about 10 years old, you know, so technically I've been pressing the shutter button for well over 10 years. Yeah. Um, and like, I don't think I make incredibly amazing content and I'm sure other people out there will be like, but I would love to be able to do what you do. I would love to have the knowledge that you have. Yeah. Me. And it's just a part of being human. <laughs> <laughs> it's a part of being human where we're always like, we don't realize what we have. And there's always someone out there that's going to wish they were in the position that you were in. Um, and it's just, it's humbling sometimes to just like, remember that and tell that about yourself. Like even when it comes to things with like fitness journey, it's something I used to have to tell a lot of my clients. Mm. And it's like, you need to understand that there is so many people out there that are envious of your fitness position, whether it's the fact that, you know, your knees work properly, or maybe it is the weight that you're at. Maybe they think that you're like the absolute perfect body type. Um, it's it's kind of we are very self-centered people <laughs> when you think of it in that way we are always thinking of ourselves and we don't realize that other people aren't looking at us as closely as we are because we've had 20 30 40 years to critique ourselves in the mirror and so, i i think that's that's a really important message too in that we it's like anything when you spend enough time around it you don't notice the change so, yeah, like, you know, you've spoken to, say, like a, a new mom and they're like, oh, you know, are they getting any bigger? And I'm like, you're with them every day. How can you not know if the kid's getting bigger? <laughs> and it's just because yeah. they're with them every day and you might see them, you know, six months apart and you're like, oh, my God, they've, like, shot up when really they're just gradually getting bigger each day kind of thing. Yeah. Um, it's the same thing with ourselves. Like, you see yourself every day, well, hopefully, unless you yeah, sleep for a day <laughs> or something. I don't know. But you don't often, and like with the your creative skill set, like there's not, I, I doubt you could pinpoint, I could say, do you remember when you learned this particular skill? And you'd be like, I have no idea. It just sort of happened in there somewhere when I was doing these different things. Obviously, there's going to be some mm -hmm. specific things you'd remember, but for the most part, you gradually got better at, you know, doing things. Do you remember when yeah. you first learned how to properly expose a photo. Well, it kind of gradually happened over <laughs> this sort of period of time kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of that uh, comparison, which like I said, it's, it's a normal thing for, for people to do. It doesn't mean it's a good thing, but it is a, a very normal thing. Uh, I feel like it, it stops so many people from actually pursuing a creative pursuit, no matter what it is. Obviously, we're using photo and video as the example when we're talking today. Yeah. But, you know, like I, I'm the first person to say, like I started this podcast as a creative pursuit because I wanted to learn like audio editing and that sort of stuff. And I'm a bit of a gear nerd. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, trying different microphones and seeing what sounds like what and how I can edit things differently and different files and all that sort of stuff. I wanted to learn all that. And to me, that was, that's, that's a creative, um, was a creative pursuit. And I'll also be the first to admit that after, I don't know what episode this will be like 145 or something, but after yes. a while it, it did change. Like it no longer felt like a creative thing. It felt more like a production line thing where I was just sort of banging them out. Like I got the skill set that I needed and I was just going through the motions for a while there. Um, and many of the listeners will know, like I just started taking breaks. I stopped with the, the very rigid routine that made it feel uh, more like a production line of, of episodes and just started doing 
some more creative things myself. Like I, I started doing more photography and that sort of stuff. I've done episodes about photography even in the past, um, mm-hmm. being a creative interest of mine. Uh, and, and it kind of taking that time away from the podcast for bits and pieces over the last 12 months kind of, I guess, reignited the the creative passion for it. Um, and I, I feel like if I was to just keep pushing, then it would have just permanently changed. Like I would have ruined it for myself, really. Yeah, yeah. I feel like just knowing the very basics of what I know about your YouTube that you may have been doing something similar. Oh, recently. yeah. So before I got ill, I was working full time and cranking out those videos once every single week. Mm. Um, and those videos were a lot of work. Like when I used to have the After Effects all through it, the B-rolls themselves, like I'd have to go out for a couple hours to shoot the B-roll and then to actually edit it together with the transitions and everything. It was a, quite a large thing. I was going to bed at like 2 a.m., waking up, going to work, coming home, editing, and it was just that on replay. On the weekends, I'd have half a day to film for the next week. All the rest of the time was editing. And it, it might have helped get me quite ill, maybe. Um, obviously, I got sick for a while. Helped. And yeah. I, I realized what was kind of more important. And now I'm kind of just creating slowly. So I'm not pushing myself. Um, I'm, in, I'm doing what I enjoy. So like I enjoy making TikToks because it's quite short and it's very easy to connect with people. You get a lot of comments to talk to people. And it is my largest platform. So from a business perspective, like you'd probably go with the the platform that has, you know, like, 44k followers versus 4k followers um but i'm still creating youtube every week just i'm taking more time with editing it's like every week i'm still filming for youtube and i'm still editing for youtube i'm just not forcing myself to get it all done in one week not trying to pump a video out every week yeah like i it's i've been on youtube for a while now and i'd love to say that i was consistently posting for like three years Four years I don't I can't remember three years maybe but I haven't been um I always pop up obviously but at the moment it's like once a month <laughs> um, it's kind of where I'm sitting and it's also trying to figure out my content because I want my content to be able to hold hands with the TikTok content like I said I've been slowly evolving it yeah and I want to be I guess more of a person um on my YouTube and less of a spec sheet um so like i i still want to have cinematic stuff in there but like if it's about me going for a grocery shop then hey it's about me going for a grocery shop um well even your your last video that you put out about your 30 days getting back into running was yes you know it still had all that it it was still a a moo smith video (laughs) that was very obvious even if you didn't like you could watch it with the the sound out and just look at the transitions and how things work i'm like it's a moo smith video but it wasn't it it wasn't it didn't feel as scripted to say like back in the day when you're doing the yeah. like the camera mm-hmm. reviews and that sort of stuff and it felt a lot more like the real you if that's a, yeah, that's like a, a I know that's personal? a weird thing to say cuz we've no, never yeah, met yeah. but it just that's the the feeling it it came and I, I know like I've I've heard you describe what you've been trying to do with regards to where you want to take your videos and that sort of thing and I'm like, okay, so this is obviously the direction, I guess. This is the, the yeah. creative direction. And I can completely understand that from a perspective of there was, when I first started this podcast, 
God, it probably would have been maybe the first 80 episodes was very much like I've always been myself, but for a long time, I didn't really disclose much about myself, I guess. So I was always just the guy talking to someone else. And obviously I was in my head, it was like, well, they're not coming to listen to me. They're coming to listen to whoever I'm talking to. Um, Mm -hmm. And it wasn't really until I started sort of being a little more authentic and I guess honest with myself and to a degree vulnerable. Um, like I put out an episode about my my experience with depression and that sort of stuff. And then I, I spoke about that with a number of other people and bounced ideas like we spoke about earlier around the, the episode I did with my mate around sort of creativity and depression, that sort of stuff. But it wasn't until I started doing a little bit of self-disclosure, I guess, and, and being vulnerable and honest with the our, my audience that it it took off. Like people resonated more with the real me than sort of the content me, if that makes yes. sense. Yeah. Um, no, I get that too. And I, I was kind of scared making reviews and things because people are very critical on gears and oh, in the camera world they are god it's oh yeah like oh yeah rival oh, yeah. gangs <laughs> and like, like you could hear it in my voice too and like the words that i was saying i was like every camera is good everything is this because like, i just didn't want to start conflict i didn't want to start fires because i just don't think it's worth it you know no, like having a fight about a piece of gear isn't as good as going and taking a photo or yeah no it's just not worth it yeah um so i think like i always definitely had like certain points where i'm like I, I just need to say this and I need to say this. I need mm. to make sure it's all in there. And also I've always had quite a big insecurity around my voice as we've spoken about. And despite me being able to talk now and despite me practicing, like my accent's still a little messed up. I'm a little bit mumbly. I kind of have a lower voice for a female. So um, I think when I first filmed my videos that I knew were going to be out on the internet, especially when I first started gaining traction, you know, like when you get like 80 views or something, it like, it feels comfy. But when you start getting, you know, into the hundreds and into the thousands, it gets a little bit more scary. So um, I, when I watch my old videos, I can kind of see that. And I'm like, it doesn't feel like me. And she feels a little bit scared and she feels like she's trying to say the right things. Um, but yeah, I, with my last video, like I feel pretty happy about it. Like I filmed a lot of it on my iPhone. Hmm. I was just like, just, just start filming random stuff and just pretend like it's TikTok or pretend like it is Instagram because that's where I want to be. I want to be me and I want it to be personable and I want people to be able to relate to me I'm like even like hearing you say like oh like I wish I knew how your skills were or like oh it's definitely like a Moo Smith video I'm like I'm definitely not this big enigma like I'm definitely just a very normal 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 person um like I don't even think I'm that crazy talented I think I've just like have too much time on my hands (laughs) no but I, I think you've because you've partly because you've been doing it so long and partly because you are sorry that's all right. My dog's here somewhere too. Um, and, and partly because you, I want to say partly because you're doing a lot of this on your own. You've mm-hmm. you've seemed to, and this is my uh, outsider's perspective, but you seem to have you've you've got this style that is that I align with you. Like yeah. I don't watch anyone else's video and go oh that's where she got it from well that's what like (laughs) i've seen other people that 
you know, I'll see this some trending, you know, video on Instagram or something. And then all of a sudden there's other people I see will like put out exactly the same like style of video. And I'm like, mm-hmm. well, obviously that's where they got it from. I haven't seen that with you. You, you, you seem to, and I could be wrong, but you seem to <laughs> embrace trying to make the edits and the channel what you want them to be as opposed to just what you think is going to get clicks. Obviously, there's, yeah. there's going to be some aspect in there, even back in the day with the, the reviews and stuff where um, getting views and whatnot may have played a part in it, but it just seems on terms of the style, and which is the, the creative aspect of it, not the business aspect of it, um, you're doing what you want to do, which I think is is one super awesome. But also, I think that's the important bit because I feel like one thing that shits me about, and this will rustle some feathers with people that are listening, but one thing that shits me about the occupational therapy community, particularly on Instagram, is there's too many people doing stupid shit just to get likes. Like mm-hmm. we're a therapy profession and there's people doing like dances. And I get like, you know, if that's what you want to do, that's fine. But my interpretation of it is that's not adding any value to mm-hmm. like me following you. So yeah. I, I, I like creative things. Those things add value to my life. I like informative things. Those things add value. I like hearing about new ideas and thoughts and that sort of stuff or even debunking or, or challenging old ideas and thoughts that adds value to me. But someone doing a dance to a song that's got absolutely nothing related to the profession or even outside of OT, even just the topic that I might actually be following that individual for, that that's just a, I was going to say a money grab, but it's it's like a, a like grab, I guess. It, yeah. You're just doing it because that's what the algorithm, and that's my pet hate at the moment and everyone who listens will know because I've spoken about it before, <laughs> um, tailoring things to the algorithm uh, just yeah. because... Even if you've got no, even worse, if you've got no aspirations of making a business out of it and you're just doing mm-hmm. it because that's what everyone else is doing, that's even worse. But, um, yeah, my pet hate is the algorithm at the moment. So I just yeah. stopped. Like I've got people and they do build quite big Instagram accounts and stuff and they they do the things like the reels and whatnot that, ticked, uh, that Instagram has said like, well, it's well known that they prioritize those things. But I'm like, you're... Yeah. Yeah giving up what I would consider your creative freedoms to do something that, uh, uh, you know, an international company has told you that you should do. I'm like, that's not creativity. That's just being a sheep. Yes. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I, I can agree with that. I think one of the hugest things that I had to learn was to let go and not care about what other people thought of me, of me and my content. Um, it's something I had to do when I was recovering from anxiety and just being able to talk to other people. Mm-hmm. And obviously it's something that I've had to learn yet again on the internet and being able to create just for yourself and learning not to care what other people think, not learning not to care about what the numbers are that you get on your videos is like, super important like um it I don't know how to really put it I think it helps you be more creatively free and also in the long run it actually helps you build a community that's going to be ride or die for you yeah if if you are actually looking at this and you're like 
I am a creative person and it is what I love, but I do definitely want a business out of this. Like, okay, like, yes, the business side is really important, but if you're creating and you love it, then it shouldn't be a bad thing for you to just be able to create. And then obviously you should be able to see the positive sides of just not having a viral video and not following trends because people are going to actually like and invest in you. And if you come out with a product or you come out with offering something, people are going to be like, well, I actually trust this person and I really like this person just like they are as like friends. Yep. And that's where they're going to want to invest, you know? Um, so I think it's really sad that everyone these days obviously wants to be quote unquote, like an influencer. Um, but it's like, what are you actually doing with these numbers? And do you know why you want these numbers? And the things that you are making to get these numbers, are they actually fulfilling you in any way whatsoever? I think, yeah, I definitely agree. The whole influencer thing. I've spoken my piece more, <laughs> more than enough times on that topic. So I won't go too much in there, but I feel like <laughs> these platforms, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, all of that, they are often viewed as, I mean, even the, the people that run the platforms call the the users of them creatives. Um, yeah. they're, they're designed to let people who create content share that content with an audience. But the way things seem to be going with the whole, I guess it is the, the influencer culture, uh, I'm I'm noticing just a lack of creativity. There's a, there's so little like original thought goes into some of these bits of content mm-hmm. that are being put out. And the ones that I follow that I really enjoy, i.e. you and a few others, um, are the ones that are, for me still have that creative uh, flair to them. And don't get me wrong, like I follow Peter McKinnon. I love his videos, his, his videos and the editing and the style and everything – I love it. Um, it's not something I would ever do or it doesn't suit me and what I like and that sort of thing, but I can still appreciate um, what goes into uh, his videos and, and what he does. And it's the same with anything, whether you're a, a painter or a, I don't know, you, you build hot rods or whatever it is. Like I can appreciate, I don't have to know anything about it, but I can appreciate the the work and the passion that goes into something from a creative perspective because I know I think what I'm looking at here or what I'm getting at here is there's a a common thread through all of these different things that a creative person or someone who is in pursuit of a creative pursuit no matter what it is whether you've just started yesterday or, or whatever it is there's a common thread that you can connect to not necessarily with just creatives from your niche, whatever that is, whether it's, you know, I don't know, putting flower or like flower arranging or something like that. There's a common thread, that creativity thread through every other person that is doing something creative that you can relate to and appreciate if the creativity is the the front and center. I feel mm-hmm. like if you're... Your main goal is I'm going to get free shit from brands by making this stuff, then you're probably not going to relate as well to, you know, old mate doing the flower arranging or, uh, you know, other guy building his hot rods or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, I feel like that. And I, when we were talking earlier about the impact that it has on people's mental health, either maintaining it or improving it, et cetera, I feel like that really 
I don't know what else to call it, but that really genuine creative um, expression being the reason for doing it, being the purpose of your engagement, that's the part that actually improves your mental health. The, the business side of it might improve other parts of your life, but on terms of the mental health, you need that really genuine, uh, creative, I don't know what to call it now. But you get what like I mean? Outlet. Outlet, yeah. Yeah. I think um, obviously if you're doing something creatively to help you and everything like that, it's good that you're doing it. And then if you want to turn it into something else or you're thinking of sharing it online, I think the best way to go about it and think about it is to think of social media in its simplest form and how it used to be. Mm. So think of it as a site that is for sharing what you've created and connecting with other people that might be in the same boat as you. So instead of thinking about it from a point of likes and views, um, you can think of it as a point of, oh, well, I'm just going to share this thing that I painted on my Instagram. Maybe I'll put a couple hashtags on it, but, you know, I'm just going to share it. And it, it shouldn't matter how many likes you get. You know, it, when I post on Facebook, like if I change my profile picture and I get four likes on it, I'm not like, oh, damn, I'm ugly. Or, oh, <laughs> damn, that was a horrible photo. Nana didn't like that one. All right. Like, it, it's, like Facebook is still a very simple social media to me. And like, I don't use it in any form to like monetize, obviously. Yeah. So I think it's until you have thousands of thousands of followers, like you should just be focusing on creating stuff and like just sharing it because that's what people should be connecting with to begin with. So if you're making music or you're making a cover, you should, you know, record yourself singing that song or um, recording your first original song or whatever, and then just sharing it because you had so much fun making it and not thinking about, Oh, like, am I going to get a record deal from the song? <laughs> like, is that what I'm going to get? Yeah. 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 And that, that's I feel I guess you you reflecting on I guess social media before the algorithm takeover um, yeah. when it was just exactly that a social media where you know I like to try and think of it as like we spoke about earlier like you're trying to attract a community as opposed to just getting likes on an individual picture. Um, yeah. you're putting your art, you're putting your videos, your photos, whatever creative pursuit you is, you're putting it out there. And the people that are mm -hmm. genuinely like-minded will come to you. Um, 100%. yeah, there is some debate about how many, but I don't want to go into that too much. I've already spoken about that too much already, but <laughs> you, you attract the people that you're like your clan, they're, they're your people. Uh, 100%. and I think that's way like like you said you started your your food photography stuff and you had like 400 followers but like 400 followers that are like genuinely into what you're creating and really love your work is way more value than a hundred percent a hundred thousand followers that are just like yeah cool might not ever yeah. watch your stuff won't engage with your stuff won't message you won't talk to you that kind of stuff so like attracting your people I think is way more valuable than having the biggest number that you possibly can in the little follow section. Yeah. I mean, like going back to when I very first started, like my food photography stuff, um, that was actually my way of like recovering from my eating disorder. So um, I would make, it gave me a reason to make food 
and so I would make food and then I would take photos of it and it gave me a positive interaction with it and then I would share the recipe online and I'm like well what if there's other people that want recipes or things like quite literally just thinking about friends and obviously from there people found me that I didn't expect to find me I got outreach from a brand which I wasn't expecting or looking for yeah Um, and it's because my content was just genuine and it was just me practicing a craft with photography as well and getting really good at it in your own style and like if I had gone viral whilst doing food photography I would hate my life right now like I wouldn't be enjoying it. I wouldn't be having a good time because it's not something that I enjoy anymore. And it it was like a, a lot of work to try and create something new so that you had a new type of food to post like every single day. Yeah. Um, and it's like, I'm not a chef. Like that's not a huge passion of mine. It was just a time period in my life. Yeah. And that's the other thing too is I, I've only, this is a realization I've only come to in the last probably 12 months is there's certain things that you do in your life that serve you at that point in time, but that doesn't mean mm-hmm. you have to do them forever. Um, you're you're allowed to let things go and let them be just a part of that phase of your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, again, I feel like, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I feel like that's what you're going through now with your sort of revamp of, well, I say revamp, but like your your pivot of what you want to be putting out with your videos is, yeah. you know, you, did, you had your camera review aspect and that served its purpose at the time but now you want to do something else and that's not saying that the camera stuff was bad or the wrong thing to do or that you hated it or or not but you're letting it be what it was for the time at that point in time in your life and now it's time for something new yeah I feel like a lot of people hang on to things too much or too long and this is not just things and relationships it's all sorts of things they they hang on to things too long purely because of how much time they've already invested in it as opposed to Mm -hmm. just seeing it for what it is and you know a really amazing growth enhancing part of that part of their lives and moving on to the next thing where they can continue to grow and learn and that sort of thing so yeah that's one of the best things about life is that we're always growing and we're always learning and so all the things in our life including relationships and hobbies they should all be growing and evolving with us if we were to stay still i I don't think it would be a very good life um, to stay quite stagnant so yeah yeah. i think like a huge thing for me like after I, i i got quite ill um with a disease last year and i've been recovering this year and with TikTok, my TikTok did, unfortunately, it went a little bit viral. Um, I gained like 10K followers from like a 1.3 million video. It's not very viral for TikTok, but for someone who had only had four videos and was just posting something random yeah. in their bathroom, it That's, wasn't ideal. That sounds like a lot for me. <laughs> um, so I, I was just filming something for fun because I felt like I had lost a lot of myself with being ill and being busy and I had forgotten to be happy. And to remember who I was and the things that made me happy, which quite literally like music, gigs, friends. And that's what my my TikTok, sorry, it's what my TikTok kind of became into. And it has been my most successful endeavor yet. And it's something that I didn't even try. Like I didn't try to grow it. I It was something that was very easy because it was quite literally just my 
personality. And that's why my YouTube is kind of evolving to it as well, because I'm like, this is what makes me happy. I'm like, wow, like this is what happiness is and what it feels like. And when you're doing a creative endeavor and hobby, it shouldn't feel like a drag. And if, if you're putting it on the internet or if you're not, either way, like evolve your hobby to make sure it's something that makes you happy. Yeah, I, th I think a lot of people forget sometimes that that's what hobbies are for. <laughs> like yeah. in, a, in a simplest form, like we've got all this other stuff. We've got work and life stresses and all that sort of stuff. And, and hobbies are there to, to, to make you happy, to do something yeah. that's fun and to make you smile and laugh and, you know, learn new things and get into that flow state that we spoke about earlier. Like that's, that's, that's the purpose. Otherwise they would just be work. And yeah. if you've already got that somewhere in your life, then hobbies are serving a different purpose. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, that's definitely something I can I can relate to because I, I feel like I have a tendency of pushing things too far until they stop being fun and then not knowing, I guess, when to to tap out or when to, to pivot or what to change in order to make it fun again. Um, so that's a lesson that I, I'm learning uh, or ongoing, but as we speak, uh, is it's something that I'm exploring with a few different things in my life. But yeah, I I've been asked before, like, how long are you going to do this podcast for? I'm like, well, till it stops being fun, till I stop enjoying yeah. it. Uh, that's that's kind of my new life motto. Is that's what I do. I do things that I enjoy, and I've always mm -hmm. said that. Um, with regards to the podcast again, like who do you speak to? I'm like, I speak to people that I find interesting or that I want to talk to or uh, like I'm not doing it and as mean as this sounds, I'm not doing it to pander to what I think the audience would like to hear. It's it's a very selfish endeavor and, and that's that selfish endeavor seems to have attracted quite a, a large audience and that's what people like to hear. They seem to like similar things to the things that interest me. So I'm winning in that regard but i i i won't change the the format of how i do this uh, anytime soon because i'm enjoying it and it you know if it works for people it works for people so it also would make it unique because it's coming from you you know it's not you're not allowing that obviously it's it's good to get inspiration but you're letting again coming from your own creative outlet like it's all coming internally from you and you're getting to evolve it yourself with your own like mental state or how you're feeling or yeah yeah definitely it is that you want to learn next so it's a good way to do things definitely and like there's there's a, a patreon associated with this that gets sort of extra episodes and a lot of those are things that uh, come up in my day that I'm reflecting on or things that I've just learned and I want to sort of share with other people. It's it's more the sort of one-on-one -on -one welcome to my brain kind of episodes, which I know <laughs> some people might find scary, but the, the people, again, it, it attracts a different audience to just the, the general podcast and they're the people that are interested in what I'm learning and the information that I find interesting or relevant to the profession and that sort of stuff. So it's, it's, I see it as a completely different, uh, well, it is a completely different platform, but even though they're sort of, I'm recording episodes, so technically it's kind of the same process for me. Um, it's a very different audience. It's a very different platform but i'm doing it for the same reasons it's because i i love 
sharing the things that I know and it helps me to learn them and explore ideas. I'm a, a person that tends to think while they're talking as opposed to think before, which oh, gets me in trouble that. sometimes. But <laughs> yeah, so I, I tend to work best when I'm actually talking things out and then I'll start having these revelations while I'm talking, which yeah, which is interesting sometimes on a podcast when you have a revelation and all of a sudden there's just silence while I work it out in my head. But <laughs> yeah, it is what it is. That's who I am. I can't really help that and nor do I want to change it. So just embrace it. Yeah. Be who you are. <laughs> yeah, I'll just run run with it while I'm winning. Sounds good. Have you got any other advice you think might be helpful for people who are let's say not necessarily doing anything creative at the moment, but are, are wanting to explore, try new things, find something creative, find a new creative hobby uh, yeah. in their life. I understand that. Uh, it's like with exercise, you know, like there's the common things out there and sometimes they feel like you're not going to like them and you have to just try different things. Um, but with creativity, it can be expensive. Um, so if you are looking for something creative and maybe you're like, oh, well, you know, people do photography and stuff, don't dive out there and, you know, buy a $5,000 camera. Um, you know, start with your phone and start just like taking some photos and see if you actually enjoy the idea of setting up shots. If you're thinking maybe you want to get into like sketching or something like that, find a pencil that you have around your house. Just find some random paper and start practicing that way before you invest thousands of dollars into a set because I feel like it can be really disheartening when you here I go again talking about gear but let's talk about gear in all aspects <laughs> <laughs> Moose Smith the gear hater but it can be very um disheartening when you spend a lot of money on the equipment yeah and then you feel like you're not at the level that you should be because you've got the same equipment as someone else. Um, like same thing goes with like an instrument. Maybe you just buy like a secondhand $50 guitar off a of Facebook marketplace and that's where you start. And if you love it and your fingers are bleeding, then you can go and like treat yourself to a, a nice one or an electric one or an amp or something like that. Um, I think you shouldn't let the money and the equipment and the gear stop you from trying to pursue new hobbies and creative outlets especially if like I feel like the huge thing is for your mental health even if it's just to let your mind think about something other than work or whatever struggles you're going through um try and make it easy on yourself to start that new yeah little, you scale it down it I, I can I, I'm actually really bad for that oh my whole life I've always been the I'm gonna do this so I'm gonna go out and get whatever the top of the range thing is and I feel like even though I'm in the privileged position where I, I can afford it, I feel like photography, when I started, that was the first time I haven't followed that same pattern. And I'm now, only now, like in the last week when I've just upgraded my camera, actually realizing how beneficial that was for me. So when I first started, I bought a relatively, it wasn't the cheapest camera, but it was relatively sort of, amateurish type camera um and i feel like the learning like learning to get the most out of that camera without all the bells and whistles on it i feel has made me a better photographer and now when i upgrade it's a a, a very conscious upgrade about the equipment i know obviously i've been doing it for a few years now so i know it's something that i'm going to stick with i'm not just sort of trying it out um and i know what i needed from a camera so i was able to make a much more informed decision when 
like you said, I was about to drop a, a large amount of money on something. I'm much more confident that it, it's exactly what I need it to be for the things that I use it for, um, which previously is definitely not what I would have done. I would have just gone out and bought whatever the most, what's the best thing that I can get. Um, and and it, it never works out very well for me, but this time it has. So I, I can 100% stand behind that sentiment of just starting start with what you got um like when it feels so rewarding too like i'm sure you feel so amazing to be like i've upgraded my skills so much and now i get to use like this like yeah it's almost like a little reward and like an appreciation towards yourself and it gives you something to look forward to as well and it gives you like an extra little bit of motivation to keep practicing because you have something that you're working towards 100% 100% now like I'm sort of still in the honeymoon phase with the new gear and trying to compare it to the old gear and see what's different and is it everything that I need it to be and so far it's been amazing but now I'm like now there's this whole new other set of skills that I get to to learn and to to i guess aim towards mastery of as well with this new gear so it kind of i guess prolongs the it's not necessarily the gratification well i guess it kind of is but i feel like if i'd just gone out and bought even the gear that i've just got like immediately years ago when i first bought my first camera i don't think i'd be as good and i probably would have given up by now i don't know but i don't feel i'd be as good at not saying I'm amazing at it, but I don't feel I'd be at the same level that I am now if I'd started with all the, the fancy stuff and not had to actually learn, I guess, the nuances of a camera, etc. And the same goes with this podcast. Like I started out with, I think the first mic was like 90 bucks or something. And now I've got mm-hmm. a lot more expensive gear than that here. Um, <laughs> but I didn't start with that. And I, I've gone, in terms of gear, I, I, have microphones and stuff that aren't the um the common podcasting stuff because i did my research and i i gradually upgraded bits and pieces and i found stuff that works specifically for what i want and what i need so if i'd gone out and bought the most expensive stuff straight off the bat i wouldn't definitely would have some of the gear that i've got here uh, and probably would never have even known about it and it's for me it's a much better um fit for my voice and my editing style and that sort of stuff so I f- there, there's definite value besides saving yourself a lot of money there's definite value <laughs> yeah. in starting smaller uh starting with what you've got uh and that sort of thing like i could anything if you can mar- if you can do something with less than ideal equipment when you get ideal equipment you're going to be epic at it compared to yeah. if you just start with the epic equipment um, the the skill set that you learn in that journey as opposed to the destination is, is is tenfold easy, I would say, in my opinion. No, I think that's pretty bang on. Like just focus on the journey, just do the process, the learning bits, and don't stress too much about becoming a pro or monetizing it or whatever social media influences people to do these days. Do it because you find it fun. Yeah. Thank you so much for, for coming and having a chat, Moo. Uh, where oh, where can people find me. you? Where where obviously you're on TikTok, you mentioned there, but what are the where can they look you up and check out your your awesome videos? 
Um, so my user tag everywhere is at it's Moo Smith. Um, Moo Smith was taken, so it's Moo Smith. <laughs> um, or on YouTube, I think if you just search Moo Smith, I should come up. Um, a cat used to come up before me, but I think I've overtaken the cat. Yes, someone's just own personal YouTube channel with a cat as the profile picture. It was quite disheartening to begin with. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You should see me. Um, I'm not a cat. If you see the cat, maybe just befriend the cat. Keep they looking. might they might be more fun. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I'm on Instagram. I'm on TikTok. I'm on YouTube. I'm always there for a chat. I love being inside my DMs and talking to everyone. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you ever want someone to talk to. I'm here. Hello. I don't have many friends, so we can be friends. <laughs> <laughs> well, it really put a downer on the end of the episode. Oh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> yes. I'm, I, yeah, I've also no, got dark sense of humor. I'm sorry. <laughs> you won't miss her. She's got bright blue hair. Uh, I'll throw all those links in the show notes if you want to check out some of Moo's work. It is amazing. Like I said, I've been following for a couple of years. I've been a member of Moo's Patreon for I don't even know how long now. Um, I think you've been like one of my longest yeah, followers, I think, since it from what I can remember. Started. Um, yeah. yeah, so I'm a fan, so definitely check oh, it out and, and see what you think. Okay. If you are interested, I, I'm curious to hear from people. If you have a creative pursuit that you are doing that you think is a little bit out of order, ordinary, maybe you're doing Irish dancing. Uh, maybe you could give me some <laughs> tips. Uh, yeah, let me know. I'm curious to see what people do. Uh, that you feel is creative. It might not necessarily be something that a lot of people would deem creative, but to you it is. Uh, like I said, mm-hmm. I started this podcast as creative pro- um, pursuit and not many people, well, I feel, other people probably wouldn't see it as that, but to me it was. Um, so, yeah, let me know. I'm, I'm keen to hear Ooh, your experiences with creativity. and Yeah, and DM Moo and cool. have a chat and make friends <laughs> with her. tag us and, and stuff. Tell Show her. us. Tag us, your, tag us in your creative pursuits. That's a good idea. See, you're better yeah. at this than I am. I forget about <laughs> tagging and stuff. So tag us in your creative pursuits and we'll, we'll, we'll engage and make friends. Oh, I'm excited. I'm such a lonely person. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm okay. I promise. I'm okay. Well, thank you. This has been so much fun. If you liked this episode and want to check out more, head over to OccupiedPodcast.com or search Occupied Podcast in your favorite podcasting app. If you have thoughts or reflections on the topics discussed today, please do get in contact. We'd love to hear from you. And lastly, if you got some value from this and you want to help us out, like, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Remember, be good to yourself, be good to others, and always keep occupied. I do expect to see some dancing though. That's that's oh, awesome. That's so maybe good. if I get enough peer pressure, but probably not. I will <laughs> put enough peer pressure just on from myself. <laughs> Every video comment now is gonna be where's the Irish yeah. jig? <laughs>